You're listening to Smarter and Harder, and I'm very excited that he came back. Um, Eli is back in the studio from a very, very busy life. I'm ba- I came back for more. I love it. Uh, my name's Tim Eisenhart. This is my buddy Eli Small, uh, and I've got a bone to pick with you, Eli. Uh, before we uh, started this podcast, uh, you had some homework uh, from episode two. Yes. And did you do your homework, Eli? I'm sorry, Mr. Eisenhart. Can I have an extension? No. No, this is not a standards-based system. Um, Our listeners are depending on you to be the smarter version of uh, this podcast. And, uh, well, in your defense, you're probably just thoroughly uh, exploring the issue. Is that right? So I was supposed to come up with kind of a timeline Mm -hmm. and uh, methodology for how the Charter Commission will be doing their work. Yep. And it's the research has been so extensive that <laughs> I'm almost done with my piece on it. But uh-huh. Peace. I, I love I, that. My, my paper is not quite finished. Uh-huh. So we're going to explore a new issue today on episode three, and it's one that I read in the, uh, in the Portland Press-Herald, and one that is uh, near and dear to both of our hearts because we both taught in the Portland school system and know the, the trials and tribulations of, of um, asylum-seeking families um, from from wherever, lots of different countries that we uh, we taught with kids. I can't remember how many languages were spoken in Daring. It was crazy number, like sixty something languages, right? Yeah, there's like, like and there's like thirty, I think thirty different uh, interpreters, right, or something like in the city of Portland yep. who speak eight different languages. But you actually have sixty different languages that are that are commonly used. Yeah, so you have a few people who are kind of trying to overlap with, well, I know this language, which is close to this language. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get that a lot. And like even uh, Abdullahi, who was, uh, we taught with for, for several years, he, uh, he speaks multiple languages and was often the interpreter and teacher and assistant principal at the time because there, there was such a shortage of, of different languages or just like a, like a, like a tribal um, dialect of a specific region, like Somalian, Somalia has a different dialects, just like we do north to south. Yeah, or on the like Atlantic coast of Africa, there's I don't even know how many different tribal uh, um, dialects or different languages that are spoken. Right. But hopefully, enough of them know some French, and so they right. can find a person who speaks French. And but it's a different French, but they can kind of yeah. get it together. So it's it, it's it's a huge challenge for so, sure. So it's it's that's part of the conversation is that 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 we we taught kids uh, from you know your upper upper class upper middle class um, white kid. Uh, that you know their families might have been buried here, you know, generations before they were here, and all the way down to you know a, a kid that just showed up without his or her parents living in a shelter or living with a quote unquote aunt or uncle um, that were sent here for a better life, and and we called them a lot of them asylum seekers, but they're here for different reasons. So Portland has become a hotbed. Uh, over the last, what would you say, twenty years, at least? Yeah. I, I think for for yourself and myself, I can remember there were waves of um, immigration under the the title of asylum seeking. Mm-hmm. I think going back to the eighties, I mean, like post Vietnam War, sure, sure, yeah, uh, there were um, East Asian, Cambodian, Thai, yep. Vietnamese. Um, 
and and I think some of those people came under the title of asylum seeking. Yep. yep. And so there was an influx then. So so Portland has a long history of being welcoming to people who are looking to come to America and and start a, a new life with the American dream. Right. So I guess my my um, the most recent uh, group and there it's I think it's something around fourteen hundred if I read in the paper or eleven hundred fourteen hundred something like that. Asylum seekers that are coming in on the on the on the heels of um, a couple of years ago, we had to house four hundred people at at the Portland Expo. It wasn't even that long ago, was it? It was, it was maybe a year, year and a half, where there was the expo was taken over by by beds and uh, these people staying in the in the shelters. Yes, and I think that's happened at the expo once or twice. I think once because there was a, a huge migration of um, asylum seekers who were coming across the Mexican US mm-hmm. border. Yep. Although they're from Africa, so they're making their way from Africa to South or Central America, then pushing their way through Africa uh, through Mexico to get here. So it's right. a long circular trip from Africa to then get to Portland, Maine right. because we're we are welcoming now, some people say we're too welcoming, and that's why they're that coming was all my, the way that here. Was my big, that's the biggest question. Why Why Portland, Maine? Why not uh, you know, someplace in Texas? Right. Um, well, I think... And I only say Texas because it's, you know, it's right there. Right it's there a long the border. border at the... Yeah. yeah. Um, anecdotally, it, there are stories that other, other towns around the country, yeah. cities... Who buy bus tickets and say, "Take a bus up to Maine." They they take good care of uh-huh. people in your situation. And I think a lot of the, the the probably a lot of the families that are here now are communicating with their families back home and say, "This place is amazing. They're taking care of us. They're finding homes for us. There's you know a group of people here that will that are accepting of asylum seekers or people from other countries." Yeah. So if you live in a war torn area mm-hmm. anywhere on the globe. And you're afraid to go to bed at night with your kids because someone could come into your home yep. or bombs are blowing up. What do you do? Like, you got to get out of there. So if you have a trailblazer who already made the trip and yep. re- sends word back that if you can get to Portland, Maine, I'm here. Right. And there's community help here that will get you established. Yep. So people, they they have to leave their homes. They have to go somewhere. They're coming here. Yep. And we have a responsibility as humans and the way the law is set up uh, as a municipality, as a state, and as a country, we want to take care of people who are fleeing the worst living conditions right. possible. Right. And, and um, that that's another one. Are, are, are we responsible uh, by law? to take care of these people as as human beings if they're not, you know, if they're asylum seekers, they obviously have papers showing that they're allowed into the country and allowed to to roam where they want or or is the federal government saying, hey, here are some hubs where it would be, uh, you know, most advantageous for your future? I don't think that the federal government is saying that to them. Mm-hmm. I think the federal government is saying wherever these people show up, wait, what are you doing here? Yeah. You can't just come marching. Like, yeah. there's rules. You can't just march into the country. And yep. then the people say, I'm here seeking asylum. This is where I came from. Mm-hmm. And then the federal government says, well, if you're seeking asylum, we're going to have to prove it. We're going to have to try to figure out, in fact, that you are 
seeking asylum because you are jumping the line right. of people who've applied to immigrate here. Right. And so that's, I suppose, a process that the federal government then has to embark upon and everybody's looking for work right now, the government right. included, right. right? And so so who's going to do the work and who's going to prove that you're an asylum seeker? And so what makes it so difficult is if you're seeking asylum, you don't get a social security mm-hmm. number. Mm-hmm. You can't work without the social security number. Right. So by legal definition, an asylum seeker cannot work. Right. Oh, Jesus. So it... Hmm. Because it's not the same as a green card. Correct. You're not, you're not going. You're you didn't not get, going to pass the the green card because a green card is you coming in of your own. Um, a green card. You've applied to come here and and work. Right. Um, you have a, a, a temporary visa or right. a green card, which I think you know, be, resident alien is kind yeah, of the expression. Yeah, like, yeah. like fe- you, good job filling out your paperwork. We'd love to have you. Right. Whereas the asylum seeker just shows up and says. Please help. Uh, let me ask you this. We, we have a tremendous amount of, um, and I, in, in, this is just my own ignorance. This is me uh, you know, jumping out of the boat when I don't know how to swim. And that's what you brought me here for. Yeah, that's right. I do it the harder way. I'll uh, hopefully be able to answer your you question. You make me smarter. You're like, you complete me. Um, so, so our former president um, used to say that there's waves of people coming across the border in, in Mexico. And... A lot of it was were Mexican people, Mexican residents. Why can't they just come to the border and say, I want to seek asylum? They do. And I mean, we, we th- there's a, it's referred to as geopolitical. Uh-huh. Okay, so, so 200 years ago, this nation of ours was young and there was land everywhere. Right. And you could just kind of show up, plant a flag and be four flags these are my four corners i claim the land yep eh, 2022 we don't want terror terrorists coming into the country we want to secure our border we want to yep. check we want tax money on every person that's working we want to be able to control yep. um you know the population so to speak so when you show up and just bang on the door or the gate and say let me in, we say, you have to apply to to come here. Right. Well, you don't have to apply if you can claim you're seeking asylum. So we don't want to just let every person who walks up and says, I need asylum, oh, okay, like walk right in. Right. So we're trying to control the, the flow, and there are definitions as to what qualifies for being an asylum seeker, but then we have to check on that. Right. Somebody has to do the actual physical checking, right? I mean, got to do some background research and try to identify who you are and where you're from. And that that, in fact, is a place that is experiencing war or famine, drought, landslide Mm -hmm. um, that that like wiped out a whole village and you had nowhere else to go. And then there's always people who will say, well, why do you have to come all the way here? Why not somewhere else along that path? That's the big question that I get a lot of the time is why come this far? Why come from? you know, central Southern Africa to Portland, Maine, of all places, it's, it's, a, it's a polar opposite, both in climate and every, every piece of it is culture, you name it, is completely opposite. Why Portland, Maine? Why not, why not go to France? Why not go to Italy or Germany or other, other you know, free countries? That's a great question. I, 
I mean, I think some of the and maybe they do. I just don't. I'm I, ignorant I, and I don't. I don't know. I think that they do. I mean, I think if you read up on European um, like news, that they have refugee crises yep. in countries in Europe, and they literally will say like, "No, you, you're not welcome here." Historically, you're talking about countries that are um, homogenous populations. Yes, yeah, yeah, sure. So sure. the French are all the French people. The Germans are the German people. The the Spanish are the Spanish people. And so they, they say like, no, we're not letting in more people. The United States being a place that- The melting pot. That's, that's, is this yeah, great melting yeah. pot. Who are any of us to say who can and can't come in? So we try to at least say, all right, we'll, we'll take people from all over the world because that's our history. But we have to try to put some sort of limit on it because we can't just be completely overrun. Mm-hmm. And to this, you know, circular argument: Why Portland, Maine? As you said, like we're going to get two feet of snow this weekend. So, right. so if, right. if you come from a place where you wear shorts, t-shirt, and flip flops year round, why would you ever want right. to end up from here? The, the, I mean, a lot of those the, the people that are coming in are from the Congo, and and it's crazy hot equatorial the, countries. Oh, right. sure. And uh, but I, I get it. I mean, it, the the it's a small price to pay for uh, a better life, you know, in in America, where you can eventually become a U.S. citizen and start making your own way for your kids. And a lot of the adults that come here, how many times did a did, a, did an adult of a kid of an asylum seeker thank you at a t- parent teacher conference, like you were a doctor, lawyer, and a lot of these people to, to on that point, they are doctors and lawyers in their countries, and they come here. And they can't work. They they are doctor. They're just as much of a doctor and a lawyer and a you know you name it, professional, schooled, well schooled. They come here and the the best that they can do is is hope for you know, a a taxi car driving. A lot of a lot of them own taxi companies. You know the families that we dealt with. Right, because there's a, it, it, the you could be a, a doctor or a lawyer with a certificate in a country yep. where the government collapses. Yep. And now that certificate is worthless. Yep. You make your way to America. You don't have the time to go through the system in America right. to get that certification. And there's no reciprocity, right? The, right. Yeah. I mean, we you know we we don't know what school you came from, or you don't even have the paperwork anymore, and the school doesn't yep. exist because the the it's gone. the situation right gone. It, it's yeah. devolved. So it, it's easy to get a driver's license. It's easy to. Um, you know, be, be a, a laborer in a some sort of warehouse or yep. or uh, you know loading luggage, so to speak, like at a, at the bus terminal. But for the asylum seekers, they can't even do that because they're not allowed to work right. while the system is going through the process of certifying their asylum. And how long do you think, Tim, it takes for the average asylum seeker to? have I, that kind I of guess, day in court and i would say six months at least and in some cases it's a year right now in this pandemic it's probably a lot more right because right. everything's slow right now. so you can't work for a year how do you pay rent where, where does the money come from and that's i mean that's why we have where does the it, expo was full right but, right uh, well and, and so the expo was full then it's basketball season the, the expo right, serves absolutely. like other purposes yeah. we yep. need it so yep. do you know where the the asylees are staying. Are now? you, uh, you and me, as Portland residents, going to be uh, paying for the shelter at the hotels and so te- motels? So technically, it's not coming out of your pocket or my pocket. Yeah, 
Although technically it is because the city of Portland isn't paying for it, yeah. but the state of Maine and the United States government is paying for it. And where does the money come from that right. state of Maine or, yeah. or the federal government? It's all taxpayer money. Yeah. Whether it's federal money or state money or, or well, we don't have municipality taxes here necessarily, right? Well, we have local taxes, but our local taxes pay for um, the police department, the fire right. department, Everything. city yeah. government. It's not paying for housing asylum seekers. It does pay for local shelters for yeah. the homeless population, yeah. but we get reimbursed. So the asylum seekers are, in many cases, as are homeless people, being housed in hotels right now because we don't have enough yeah. room so in, a, in what, our yeah. shelters. What, what used to cost us 15 bucks to house them a night is now, what, it's got to be 50, 100 bucks so, a night? So uh, an article that was really well written I in the Portland Press Herald. The one that, that, is this the one that I sent you? Yes, yeah. I, I'd give credit to that Thanks. that writer. They uh, they did a good job. Yeah, you sent it to I me. It I to read you. it for you. I think it was Rachel. Rachel Ohm wrote the article. I would have the, to. Yeah. I would have to look that up. Who I didn't look up the author. I, I apologize. Yeah. So She's really was, good. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. did a great job. Um, yeah, you could stay at like the what Motel Six, the Super Eight, or, or, or the Travel Lodge, or or some of the yeah. hotels that we all know around here for. $69, $79, they're book solid. Right. And so we can't say no to these people by law. Mm -hmm. you, you, we can't say we have no home for you. Right. So we're paying $229 oh, for some shit. hotels. And basically, if you're the hotel owner and you have a vacancy, you'll take it. I'll take it. You're paying. Wherever the money's coming you're, from. You're paying me, and I'll, I'll put them in that room. Well, good, good on us for, for doing the right thing. Yes, and so 70% of that $229 yep. gets paid back to us by the federal government. 30% gets paid back to us by the state government. And so the city of Portland isn't on the hook yeah. for the actual hotel stay. But it's an issue for all, really all of Cumberland County to say, there's people that are coming here and, and we need to do something about it. And our, our politicians in Washington, D.C., Susan Collins, I mm -hmm. think was mentioned in that article. She was, yeah. Angus King, Shelley Pingree, Jared Golden, those would be our four. Um, there's conversation going on in, in Washington, D.C., saying we've got to do something about like these asylum seekers who can't get a job right. for over a year. They, we're, we're forcing them to be dependent on us. How do we get? How do we get to that point? How do we get to the point where it's an easier process? I mean, I, I I think back on just getting my teaching certification as a citizen of Maine and the United States my whole life. It was a pain in the ass. So an asylum seeker coming here with nothing, no no papers really to speak of. Yep. Starting from scratch, how long should that take? Yeah, I, I do remember when uh, President Trump was trying to lock down the southern border. Right. Yep. He and many other people were, were saying, like, we need more judges. We need more arbiters at the border who are processing people mm -hmm. and turning them around and saying, no, go back to, you know, if you're if there's an option other than coming in here, yeah. you should take it. So if you're if you live in Mexico, maybe you need to find a new town in Mexico that's a little bit safer. Yeah. If you came from the Congo 
and ended up in Mexico, and now you're trying to come into America. Maybe as an asylum seeker, your asylum is a higher priority than yeah, yeah. a Mexican asylum seeker. I, I I don't know, but like, how do you how do you wade through? All yeah, that? somebody somebody has to be knowledgeable enough about world affairs and different regions of the the, the world that are in turmoil that might be coming here, and and then be able to you know triage at the border. Right. really quickly who's coming and who's who's not right but yeah. if you have mexican people who are coming here seeking asylum because things are really bad in mexico right anybody else who ends up in mexico obviously isn't going to stay and claim asylum there right. so they're all that, that everyone in the western hemisphere is america is the goal canada is probably nice but you got to get through america right. first so <laughs> well here's my here's my last question to you before we wrap this this one up yeah how once you're crossed across the border how do they get from mexico to here if they have nothing right are so, they given money at the border to travel or th- that's my question is how how do they how do they get here you're giving <laughs> i guess physically get here you're giving me another homework assignment now that yeah. i would have to look look into but the 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 anecdotal story is mayors in cities in the South and the West who don't have the resources to house yeah. for a long period of time buy bus tickets. They buy, yeah. They say, this is a great spot. Minneapolis, I know is a big, is a big hotbed. A lot of our kids will leave here and have family in, in Minneapolis. Atlanta is another one that I've heard kids will take off and go to Atlanta or North Carolina. I, I've heard of a whole bunch of different places, but it's, yeah, it's so- funny. Even, even us, we know that, Hey, what about Minneapolis? Right. You like, know, maybe we're saying it too. You right. Know? Like if you if you're on your way here and you show up and we don't have a hotel room, uh, two twenty nine a night for a month, all right, or a year, Jesus. or seventy nine dollars one way bus ticket right. to Minneapolis. Yeah, I know. Like I know. I know. Do you know anyone in any other part of the country where we could send you? And and right. I think we're gonna there's some of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm. I'm uh, more knowledgeable about uh, why we have asylum seekers uh, coming this way, or at least we've we've explored it enough so that I, I feel like I want to learn more. Yeah, there, there's no easy answer, yeah. but but the lowest hanging fruit is if we could speed up the process federally yep. to help these people be able to get a job and work. Ask any small business owner you know; they're uh, they're looking for out. help. Yeah. Let's get these people in the workforce. I get there's a, one of the guys I deal with on a daily basis um, made a connection with uh, a guy from Haiti who was who was hungry and uh, he was here on a on a uh, visa and he said I have 25 guys that would kill to do this on a temporary visa for a seasonal job. They send all the money home. They all live in the same house. He finds them a house, and this guy is like, listen, I can't get guys to work here for 40 hours a week and show up every single day, why not? So if that's happening and there's something to be said for being hungry, there's, there's, there's an internal motivation to feed your family that I think is lacking in America right now, that they're, they're living very comfortably on a, on a federal, uh, federally funded vacation. Yeah, I, I guess a, a good closing point is the asylum seekers who are here they're not showing up hoping to live off the government. Right. We've, you and I yep. have seen it firsthand. We know other people who've seen it firsthand. Yep. These people want to work. Yep. So if we can get them into the workforce, yeah. trim the bureaucracy, 
But as as we said, it, I mean, it's tough. You want to try to find out who they are and make sure that we can keep track of them. We don't want we don't want a terrorist sneaking in, getting right. their social security card, and then just disappearing off off the radar, right. so to speak. So it, it's there's no easy answer. As always, Eli, you have uh, taken my my babble and turned it into sense, and I, I appreciate you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening, you guys. We'll catch you next time. Yeah, see you on the next one. Maybe my homework will be done. I doubt it. <laughs> Searching for greatness in a sea of the dying and shameless. Uh, a sea of the aimless. I don't want to be one of the nameless. I'm going to wake up with the mindset that one day 